Welcome to the West Side Podcast, where you can find real help for real life. We hope you'll take a second right now and subscribe to this podcast and let us know how we can help. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com. Now join us for this week's installment of the West Side Podcast. I'm excited about today. I'm so excited about today. I, I've got some important words to tell you right out of the gate, so I'm going to get right to it. Here it is. The world is begging for you to come out of your shell and make your difference with your one and only life. But the devil is threatening you if you do. He's saying, you're never going to make a difference. He's saying, they're going to find out what you've done. He's saying, you just don't have what it takes. He's saying, you're going to embarrass yourself. He's saying, people will laugh at your ideas. He's threatening you if you try to come out of your shell And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've done this. You've tried to come out of your shell. You're in the middle of that. You're you're stepping out and you're having all those fearful thoughts and you're having all those little attacks from the enemy. Maybe it's about how you need to lead your family spiritually. And you're feeling like your kids are going to look at you and go like, Mom, Dad, why are you asking me to live my life differently than you lived when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing. Uh, people are looking at you at work going like, hey, why are you trying to, you know, stand out? You know, why are you, you're going you're gonna to make the rest of us look bad. And so now you're coming against resistance there. You've got an idea and you take it to the bank and they look at you like you're crazy. The, the world is begging for you to come out of your shell and make your difference with your one and only life. But the devil is threatening you if you do. One of the reasons why I love reading the Bible is because you can meet your heroes there. And I am always doing that. You know, you're always running across people in the Bible who were imperfect, messed up human beings, saved by the grace of God, who then surrendered their one and only life for God's kingdom, for something more important, and who, who then made a huge difference, and you see them overcoming. And I see that in the man Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. We're going to look at some scripture today that unpacks a little bit about who he was and what he was doing and how he was somebody who did stand out. Uh, I, uh, I follow this personal growth influencer named Brendan Burchard, and I've talked about some of his stuff. It's been very helpful for me. Uh, it just kind of helps me to, to get in the right mindset. It's very motivational stuff. But he talks about when he was 19, he got in a car accident, and he was in a very kind of depressed state of his life. And he says he was, he was on vacation with a friend that got in a car accident. It was a really bad car accident. He, he remembers standing on the hood of this smashed up car, uh, bleeding out, asking himself the question, am I going to make it? Because he didn't think he was going to make it. And so what happened was he, he asked himself three questions. He goes, in this moment of when I'm not sure if my life is going to continue, he said, I had three questions for myself. One was, did I live? One was, did I love? And one was, do I matter? Live, love, matter. And those are important questions that all of us are going to face. I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody on their deathbed, but people on their deathbed don't talk about how many hours they clocked in in their career. They don't talk about their bank balance. They don't even think about their bank balance. People on their deathbed don't worry about how many trophies or plaques were on the wall, you know, in, their, in, that, in that one room in their house. They're thinking about the big stuff. And today I want to talk to you about significance. 
And I want you to know that your life matters so much to God. In fact, in just a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to bring these commitments up that our church has been getting ready for. So all of you have on your seats and you have online a link to a connection form or to a, excuse me, a commitment form for Change Your World. Change Your World for us, this has been a seven-week sermon series, and if you're brand new with Westside, I've explained a couple of times, but I gotta, I gotta share this. We thought we were just gonna do a sermon series this fall called Change Your World, and it seemed like God was leading us to do more, to go bigger, because it seems like we're at a crossroads in our moment of history, where People need more hope than they did before, where people are hungry for more, more truth. People, people are looking for connections. They're reaching out for significance. And so God has led us toward a two-year um, initiative as a church that's big. I mean, we're seeking to bring back to God $2.4 million over the next two years, total giving as a church, so that we can expand our ministry efforts. It's about a 60% increase in what we've seen in terms of our ministry budget. And Honestly, my fear in talking about that in the beginning was they'll think you're crazy. <laughs> this isn't the time, you know? I mean, is this the right thing? So I had all those same things that we were just talking about. But our leaders got together last week and went first in this, and I'm excited about where our church is going. And so in a little bit, I'm going to invite everybody, I pray everybody, to be a part of what's going on with Change Your World in whatever way God leads you to. Uh, I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said this, he said, life's most urgent and persistent question is, what are you doing for others? Isn't that a great thought? If you were standing on the hood of your car that was smashed up and you were bleeding out and you weren't sure you were going to live, you probably would wonder, what did I do for others? That'd probably be one of the questions you'd ask yourself. Wouldn't be so much about all that other little stuff. It'd be, it'd be that, those are the kind of questions that matter at the end. And so if they matter at the end, let's bring this forward and let's go, let's just start living like that right now. What are we doing for others? There are actually uh, three phases, somebody pointed out, there are three phases to the pandemic that we've come through as a world. And when you think about disasters or you think about pandemics, there are three phases. The first one is disaster. It's like everything falls apart. You know, the whole world gets sick at the same time. That's a major disaster. And that was phase one. You guys remember that? Anybody remember where you were when you realized there was a global pandemic? Yeah. It's like, you, you probably thought, oh, this is going to be a rough couple weeks, right? <laughs> so disaster. Then there is disruption. Because then you're like, wait a sec, we cannot get toilet paper. Remember that? <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember Melissa and I, we came home from Indonesia, um, we left the Indonesia, the Bali airport, four hours before they closed off all travel, and our kids were still here, and we were so grateful we snuck on that plane and came home. But when we got home, uh, our daughter tells us, hey, guess what? Nobody can find any toilet paper. We're like, yeah, right. She's like, no, seriously. And we're going, that can't be real. And, and so we get home, and, and, and she's like, see? <laughs> and some angel had brought literally a case of toilet paper to our house. And we're like, thank God, you know? But there's, there's disruption. I mean, think about all the disruption. Oh, my gosh, that we've lived through in the last couple of years. But here's the third phase, and this is the phase that we're in right now. It's demand. Demand for new leadership. That's the phase that we're in right now. There is a worldwide demand for new leadership. What are we going to do? How are we going to build? What's next? And that's where we come in. 
because Jesus has tapped us on the shoulder to be spiritual leaders in our homes, in our community, and around the world. And so this is the phase that we're in. This is why Change Your World became this thing that bubbled up to go like, wait a sec, there's this great opportunity that God is asking us to step into, and we do not want to miss it. Significance comes from connecting your activity to eternity. And that's why when people are at the end, they ask the big questions, because if your life hasn't touched the hymn of eternity, you feel like it didn't matter. And so we're pivoting our lifestyles toward eternity. We're pivoting our checkbooks. We don't use checkbooks anymore. Our checking accounts uh, toward eternity. Things that matter for longer, you know? Things that would outlast us. Wouldn't you like to know that your life is going to outlast your life? That your impact is going to outlast your days? That your family is going to look back one day and go like, I'm so thankful for them because they set the tone. Because they changed the course. When I think about my life, I think about my mom and my dad, and I think about how my mom came from a very abusive home and background, and I think about how she made a specific decision to break the chains of all that abuse and addiction and trouble. And and sometimes that's you. You know, you're you're the person, and somebody's going to look back at at you, and one of your kids or one of your grandkids or one of your neighbors is going to be like, I am so glad that they decided to break the chain, that they decided to go a different direction, that they decided to be an example. That's what today's about. To move from success, which is what most of us are groomed to do. We're groomed to to seek success. But to move from that to significance, it requires that you align with your design, that you align with God's design for your life. And I want to talk about how to do that by looking at Isaiah chapter 6 together. I'm going to give you just a little bit of background, and then we're going to unpack these verses together. So, um, by the way, you you got to know something that's coming up next uh, in two weeks. We're going to be... um, focusing on a really fun series called A Christmas Carol. And so in December, uh, we're going to turn up the Christmas feels around here, and we're going to focus on A Christmas Carol. So every week, we're going to be looking at the lyrics to A Different Christmas Carol, and we are going to have, we're putting on the dog for Christmas, okay? So it's going to be a really fun time. But this is like, how do we get ourselves into this mindset of why, you know, Jesus came for this whole thing? It's the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas is that the Messiah, the Savior, showed up. And he showed us what our lives were supposed to be like. And we can take great comfort in that. But before Jesus showed up, somebody announced that he was going to show up. And one of those people was Isaiah. Isaiah lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But he had the privilege of having his life be connected to the announcement about the Messiah. He said, for unto us is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. He said he, he will be, you know, he said he will be the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. He said all these things about Jesus, who is the Messiah. But before that happened, Isaiah had to get his life in alignment with God's design. And that always takes some time, right? That always takes a moment where you realize something. And so I want you to see in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is kind of a very common description of what God's glory was like when God decided to show up in the temple or in the tabernacle. He said, he said I saw the Lord, and he was... Majestic. It said, attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Those were angels. Those were the angels. If you've ever read the Old Testament and seen, like the, or, or imagined the description of the Ark of the Covenant, that gold box that God had in the tabernacle and in the temple, and it held the Ten Commandments. You ever seen a, a picture of that? 
uh, the seraphim sat on top of that. And so these were those angelic creatures. And it said, with two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. Why would they cover their faces and their feet? Because God's holiness is so powerful. And even the angels are covering their faces and covering their feet. I mean, can you imagine that? That's the power of God's presence. And it said, they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. I was looking at that going like, is it? (laughs) Was that a statement of something that was already true? Or was that a vision of something that was to come? Would you say right now, on this day, in 2022, would you say the whole earth is full of the glory of God? It doesn't seem like it, does it? It seems like a lot of the earth is filled with corruption and violence and hatred, poverty and disease, natural disasters. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of that too, right? But I think what Isaiah was getting was a vision. It said, their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. There you go. I need to turn up the smoke today for this message. He said, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of God. You know, the holy, holy, holy God. I'm in trouble because I'm not worthy of this because he's perfect and holy and powerful and mighty and I am me. And something had to happen to Isaiah in that moment. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. This sounds scary. I mean, I'm sure he was scared. It says, he touched my lips with it, the coal, the burning coal, and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then he says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Wow. And then what followed that was Isaiah taking his place in history, becoming the announcer of the good news of Christmas, the good news that the Messiah, Jesus, was going to come and to be born as a baby and live 33 years and be a perfect spotless lamb of God sacrifice on our behalf and offer good news and freedom for everyone who would believe. I mean, Isaiah got to announce that. I I can't imagine a better job description. I always think about John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, who, who really introduced Jesus to Jerusalem. And what an incredible role that would be. But did you know that God has called you and me to the exact same thing with our lives, to become introducers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, of the Savior, the the one we've been waiting for, that that's to position our lives in such a way that that's the impact we made standing on the hood of that banged up car. If we asked the question, did I live, did I love, did I matter? We'd say, "Mm mm-hmm, because I got to introduce people to the only one who can change their lives forever. That was Isaiah's Role and it was his journey. And I want to talk a little bit for the next few minutes about how God uses people to change their world. And uh, if you look at the lives of people who have had a significant impact on this world, they all follow the same pattern. I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, the first followers of Jesus follow the same pattern that I'm going to show you. Um, 
Paul and Barnabas followed the same pattern that I'm going to show you. Timothy in the New Testament followed the same pattern that I'm going to show you. Billy Graham of our last century followed the same pattern. Luis Palau of this century, who's passed on now, but who made an incredible difference in this world, followed the same pattern. Anybody that you look up to who's a, a spiritual force for good in our world followed the same pattern. And you can see it when you look at Isaiah's story here. This is a predictable, essential pattern. If you want to live a life of significance, and I don't want to come on too strong here today, but I, th- I feel this with all my soul. If you want to live a life of significance, you must follow this pattern that I'm about to show you because it is how God works in, in people's lives. And some of you are on, uh, you're, you're doing this. Some of you, you're going to look at this going like, well, it hasn't happened to me yet. Well, let's get started on it, okay? The first thing that we see in Isaiah's story is this, is calling. Calling. I mean, he had a calling. He felt it. He knew it, you know? I mean, when an angel shows up with a burning coal and touches your lips, I suppose you know something special is happening, right? (laughs) So he knew that God was doing something very special. Calling, though, is sparked by vision. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Have you ever had a dream or a vision of somehow the world would be better because of Jesus? Have you ever thought about how something could change in your family tree? Have you ever thought about how that person that you've been praying for for years and years and years could finally believe and God could finally get a hold of their hearts and they could finally stop being so controlled by their past and they could enter into their, their calling, their calling and their future. Have you ever had a dream that God gave you of some way? Maybe it is how you impact your kids or maybe it is if you're serving in a ministry at Westside that somehow God uses you in a special way. Well, that's called a vision. But, you know, every time, every time, first it happens in heaven. I always find this so interesting. Jesus goes, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that when the temple was built, it was actually patterned after one that was already built in heaven? We're taught that in scripture. So there's a reason why when God was giving the the measurements and stuff for the tabernacle and the temple, they were very exact. I mean, it's like, yeah, this is what the curtain's going to look like. This is what the, this is how long this wall is going to be. You know, it's like, apparently, there's already something up there in place that's not in place down here. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That's the vision. And you and I get to step into it. Um, You are the prelude. What God's doing in your heart is the prelude. The temple was the prelude. You are the prelude. Isaiah had a vision. We must all have a vision. By the way, if you struggle with this, I know some people look at this and they're like, oh, that vision thing, I just can't get it. I want to help you. And so I'm putting together a personal vision worksheet for you. And if you would like help, just, you know, how do you get to the point where you you go like, I can can start to see a dream, like something that I could be a part of, a purpose. If you don't like the word vision, replace it with purpose. Uh, Replace it with goal. Replace it with dream. But the idea is God wants to change your world and he's going to use you if you will let him. If you will stop saying no because of all the resistance that is in your head and if you will say, I'm going to leap out, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to be that person who steps into my calling. One of the things I know is your contribution cannot outshine your sense of calling. Your calling is the lid to your contribution. Your contribution never rises higher than your sense of calling. 
So how strong on a scale of one to 10 is that? Could you turn the heat up on that a little bit today to go, I want to experience a calling so powerful that it gets me through those doubtful moments of my life and helps me to overcome that. Your victory never exceeds your vision. We know that. This week, I got to sit down with some of the folks who were at our leaders' worship night last Sunday night and who, who've already said, hey, look, here's how I'm going to be involved and change your world. And, and I was so moved by the things that they shared. I want you to see it. So check this out. We sat down and talked about it. And it, it came in an interesting time in our lives because I'm now busy between jobs again. And I assume I'm going to get another position, but it's like, okay, my income's gone with Catherine being retired, right? Kind of limited. Um, but we sat down and said, where do we want to be? What can we do now that we're comfortable with? And to make an additional commitment to Westside over and above what we've given in the past couple of years. And where we want it to be, you know, and of course we always say, well, if we ever get that great scratcher in the lottery, 10% before taxes goes to Westside. Um, but we came, we sat down and looked at the numbers and, and basically said we wanted to do more than we were doing. And so we increased what our weekly commitment's going to be. And out of some of our extra, because we do have a little bit put away, so we want to make addition, that additional commitment. Is it as much as we might want to give? No, but we felt it's something we, we could do and be comfortable with for the next two years. The additional commitment to Food Brigade is really important. It's what brought us to Westside. The fact that this is a community that gives back to the community, a church, that was what attracted us to Westside when we first moved out to the Aloha area in 2010. We were driving by one Saturday morning, and as we like to tell people, that was back when they also did clothes and they had tables with the clothes outside and they grew in the food boxes and they all the clothes in and out. But it was like, this is what we believe the church is for, to help the community. That's how the church was originally founded of people helping people following Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. This is what Westside does, and we see it. I see various leaders we have today in Westside and how they came in through Food Brigade or through other, you know, Celebrate Recovery. It, they didn't know anything when they came for their food boxes. They didn't know about Jesus, but they got that introduction. And it was through our actions as a church. One of the main things is gratitude for all that God's done for us. I mean, he's really blessed us and we we want to thank him. And we also want to we believe in what Westside's doing. We want to spread the message, spread God's love, his message, and have him bless others as he's blessed us. We've been consistent with our tithing I, pretty much since we were married. and. Um, we think it's time to bump it up a little bit now yeah. um, because he really has blessed us and um, we want to bless others um, with that while we can. Um, we have, you know, a few more years we can work and then we'll be, you know, retiring. And so we can do this now. We want to, um, 
we want to be able to do that in the best way we can. For me, it's just the reaching out to the community, um, the local community, especially, but also, uh, you know, Westside does global um, outreach as well. But it's, to me, that's what the church is supposed to do is reach out to the community, the people that you live with or near, um, and that excites me. Especially in, in Portland where, you know, there's not a lot of people being reached and it's just great to see the outreach. It's that the West Side is so much out-focused um, and that's great. I, I also like it because Portland doesn't really see what Christianity is really about. West Side shows them instead of what they see in the news or what they hear about. Uh, I was trying to tithe, but I wasn't really giving my full 10%, you know. I, I think how you put it in, in one of your sermons was, you know, it, it's it's your first 10%, it's your best 10%. And I really wasn't doing that. I was kind of like doing my after-tax 10%. Um, so this year, I just wanted to just go after it and say, I'm going to tithe. I want my, and I want it to be my first 10%. I want it to be my best 10%. Um, and just have faith. It's all about faith. And I just, I just believe, I believe that it'll work. Really excited about the food brigade, them getting their own building. I think that's just fantastic, but all of it, um, Coming to Westside changed my life. And the work that you do, that all of your pastors do, that Melissa does, that all of the volunteers do, has made such a huge difference in my life. Me giving my 10% is definitely worth it because I just want to see this and go more and more and more. You know, I, I keep talking to people about um, Westside as a church, you as the pastor, I've invited people, I've brought my parents, I've got them watching online now. Um, my boss has been talking to me about it. I think I'm gonna take her and her daughter eventually when I show up. Uh, I, I'm just really excited about what is happening at Westside and how it's changing people's lives. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's it's fun to it's fun to see. You know, uh, here's what I'm kind of amazed at. Every time I ask somebody lately, like, what is it that God is stirring in your heart? There's always something that's out there. And while I I know that we all also care about taking care of one another and all those things because we do that. Um, what's really special to me is how God has given our church a heart for those who are underserved or a heart for those who are not yet connected to Jesus. And it's exciting because that's why Jesus came, right? And, and so I just want to encourage you that there's people who are going before you who are uh, taking steps of faith in this journey toward a life of significance. This model that Isaiah gives us is one calling. Secondly, is this is cleansing. You can write that down in your notes or if you're taking notes online, cleansing. Meaning that it does seem that when God wants to do something through somebody's life, he takes the time to get them ready for it. There's a preparation phase, right? We have to be prepared for the God of the universe to somehow use us as a vessel. And Timothy describes 
this with like a, a jar or a vessel of a house, like a vase maybe. And he goes, you know, there's some vessels in a home that are used for noble use. And he might think of, you know, the place where the olive oil is stored or something like that. And he, and he goes, there's some containers in a home that are used for, he calls ignoble use or, you know, common use. You might think of a toilet. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's things. And so God is going like, so I want you to be that one that is dedicated to special use. And, and what he does in our lives is he calls us to a time of cleansing. In Isaiah's case, there was two things. It was confession and it was correction. Seems like that's the pattern, confession and correction. And you know, if, you're, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, there's a good chance you've messed something up, right? Anybody? Okay, yeah. Hello, today? Yeah, probably. Right, we mess up. This is the beauty of confession. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what he does. He's the cleanser. And he goes, I want you to be ready, special, set apart, dedicated, so that I can work through you. God works in us so he can work through us. And so what is the cleansing that he wants to do? It's always going to be about confession and correction. That we would go, you know what, God? Confession, you're right. What I did, what I thought, this pattern that I've had, this belief that I've had, it's not your belief. It's not what you would do. And so I confess it as what the Bible calls sin. Sin just means missing the mark of the, of the bullseye that God has. We all do that all the time. And so confession just goes, honestly, I got to be honest, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. That's what confession is. But then the correction part is, 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 is what the Bible would call repentance. Now I'm going to turn the other way. I'm going to go this way. And so Isaiah is going like, when I, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. I haven't dedicated my message to you. And so I, you're right, God, I'm wrong. But instead, I'm going to go do that. So then he yields his life and surrenders it. I was sitting with a, a Westsider this week, and um, uh, it was fantastic. We met in my office. His name is Joshua, and I'm so inspired by what he's doing. He's got this change your world story that's amazing. And um, he's, he's a very big thinker. He's got all these ideas. But he's sitting there in my office, and he, he's talking about his family, and he's talking about his personal disciplines that God has brought him at this point in his life. And Joshua, if you're listening, I'm stealing your story. Um, but he goes... He looks down at the floor and he points like this. And he goes, at this point in my life, I don't want any weeds growing up. I want only oak trees. And I was like, that is brilliant. I love it. Only something that's going to last. That's all I want to plant. This guy's got kids and a wife. He's like, my kids are going to know that we planted oak trees. That's fantastic. So when we confess and we get corrected, it's like, why? So that we can be the kind of people that only grow oak trees in our lives. That's what God's up to. There's that, there's that cleansing piece. You know, there's certain things that they don't work until they're clicked into place. This week, my brother-in-law, Tim, came over to rescue us. We had had a major problem at home. Our hot tub stopped working. <laughs> 
And I mean, it's like my, my, I call my hot tub my therapist. And so we needed the hot tub, you know? And so um, I, I told him, I was like, what, you know, you fix your hot, what, what'd you do? And, and he didn't tell me ahead of time much that he was coming over. I missed his text to say I'm coming over. And so he's over at our house for 45 minutes when I wasn't there, troubleshooting everything, checking everything. Finally, he gets to the outside and he, and he opens up the thing and he takes one of the plugs and he unplugs it and he plugs it back in and it clicked because apparently it wasn't all the way connected. And all of a sudden, it just comes on. And I think this is the moment that happens for us is the cleansing is the connection, it's the click. If you feel like, I don't know, man, my life's just not clicking. It seems like my faith's not clicking, like that, that idea is not clicking, like the power's not clicking, my prayers aren't clicking. It's this. What needs to be cleansed? Where do you need to confess? What do you need to correct? The surrender, the yielding, you know? God will, God will click that into place for you. The third thing, this is predictable. This is essential. This is not up for grabs. I'm sorry, I wish it was. This is how it goes. Calling, cleansing, and then last, commissioning. Commissioning. In other words, we get ourselves ready, and God goes, here's your assignment. <laughs> and he's like, I'm commissioning you. And sometimes those are big moments where you're like, yes, I was hoping you'd say that. And sometimes it's like, no. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. I don't feel like I'm not ready for that, you know? Uh, but there's a commissioning that God has for you. And I don't know what it's going to be in your life, but I know it's going to be big. I know, it's, I know that there are certain things we already, we already know. Here's what it's going to involve. Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Jesus' last words to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28. For sure, your commissioning involves that. There's specifics that are going to look unique in your, in your case, but if it doesn't involve that, it's not God's commissioning for you. There's more to life than just success. There is significance. Significance always comes from attaching your activity with eternity. The only way to do that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited about how I see this happening in our church. You know, the preview in Isaiah 6 shows that the whole earth is filled with his glory, which is an irresistible vision, if you think about it. I mean, to, to go, what if all the families said, no weeds, only oak trees? You know, what if all, all of the parents said, breaking the chains, no more addiction, no more abuse? That's the whole earth being filled with his glory. But it happens one person, one family at a time. And you get to decide, is that going to be true of us? What are they going to say about me? Hopefully, they'll say, this person was like Isaiah. They decided they're going to they're listen to the calling. They're going to go through the cleansing. They're going to be a part of the commissioning. And then they yielded their lives in such a way that we could honestly say they changed their world. That would be so exciting. I like that New Testament example. There's this like story in the New Testament about this guy who goes out into a field and he runs into, he, he's like, run, runs into this treasure that was buried in the field. And the treasure was, it was a big deal. And he was like, oh my gosh, there's so much value in that treasure buried in that field that nobody even knows about. So you know what he does? He goes and he buys the field. He, get, he takes all of his resources and goes, I gotta have that field because if I have that field, I have that treasure. 
And, and so he buys the field. Why? Because it was worth it. And I think you've got to decide in your life, what is worth you spending your one and only life on? Because once you spend it, it is gone. And when you're standing in that last moment asking yourself the question, did I live, did I love, did I matter? Was my life significant? You're going to want to have made the right decision today. And so I want to honestly put the pressure on a little bit because I want to help you have a better last moment because we're all going to have that last moment. What's yours going to be like? There's a fun thing we do every year called Thanksgiving Food Box Outreach. And this year it went astoundingly well. There were so many people helping. Uh, in fact, here's a couple pictures from Friday night. Friday night we got together and it was like, I mean, we showed up thinking, okay, we're going to jump in and be able to help. No, we weren't able to help. I was walking around completely worthless, just saying hi to people because there was too many. I couldn't help. They were like, stay out of it. You know, stop it. Um, it was beautiful. And we got a chance to put together all of these Thanksgiving food kits for people. And then yesterday we got together and I came, Melissa and I came to the church. There were, I'm not even joking, not one single parking space was, was open here yesterday. Not only that, unfortunately, I think we took over Walgreens parking and Dutch Bros parking and U.S. Bank's parking. And, you know, it was, it was very inspiring to see what was going on yesterday. All these people showed up to deliver 457 families a Thanksgiving meal. Isn't that great? Can you say thank you to the volunteers who did this? Insane. Why do people do stuff like that? Why? I was talking to somebody this morning about Food Brigade, this ministry that we're, that we're support, you know, is, is an, it's ours. It's our ministry. It's our partner. And, you know, part of Change Your World is space like that. We're going to build a building for Food Brigade, and we're going to be a part of that. We're putting up some seed money for that. I'm excited about that. Did you know that in Change Your World, like with $2.4 million over the next uh, couple of years, a portion of that will be seed money to build a building for the Food Brigade because we're out of space, completely out of space. And we don't want that ministry to slow down or shrink or go backward. We want it to grow because it's necessary. Did you know that already, and as you're thinking about what's your sacrifice going to look like, there's already been one $100,000 matching gift given for that building. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's good news, okay? We are starting with momentum here, and it's very exciting to know about that. But why do people do that kind of stuff? It's because in their personal vision of what their life is going to look like, they've prioritized contribution over comfort. That's the name of the game. What are they going to say about you? He was totally committed to his comfort. I hope not, right? And we all have to live with that because you know what? In our flesh, every single one of us, in our natural state, every single one of us is 100% committed to our comfort over everything else. It's human nature. But God's calling and recommissioning for us is always going to involve the releasing of our passion for our own comfort and the embracing of his commissioning and the sacrifice that it takes to make somebody's temporary life connect with God's eternal work. Uh, it's the most thrilling thing you can be a part of. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he says, Timothy, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. He's like, I, I want you, 
to take what God has done in your life and, and where you get significance is when your life touches the life of another person. So Timothy, what I want you to do is I want you to take the things I've shown you. I want you to take the life change that you've experienced, you know, the truths that have set you free. And I want you to find somebody who you could deposit that into. But don't just find anybody. Find somebody who will then do that same thing with another person. But that is actually how we change the world, if you think about it. And today we have this great opportunity to connect our lives with something so much bigger than the fact that we couldn't get toilet paper for a little while. Or that you're worried about what people think about your idea. But to go, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to connect with passing it on. I mean, there's no other agenda. There is no other agenda than to pass on what's been passed on to us because it is the hope of the world. So I'm praying that today our church will rise up. That if you're here and you've been on the fence about being a part of something like Change Your World, if you've been on the fence about dedicating your life and your family tree to something as significant as what Jesus came to do, that you would move over that tipping point, that today would be like the day, yep, I'm going to look back on November 20th, 2022 as the moment when it clicked for me. And my life became significant because I connected with something that is going to outlast me. That's the name of the game. I want to show you this commitment card because um, we're going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to, to fill it out and to be a part of Change Your World. I believe with all my life, all my heart, this is one of the most important moments of my entire life. Right now, right here on this stage, right before all of you. Because I think God is about to do something bigger than we've ever seen before in the world and in our little community. And this commitment card has a spot for you to, to write some stuff on. It's got a place for you to say, here's my current giving, my annual giving. And maybe for some of you, you've been giving, you can just put that number. Maybe for some of you, you'd be like, well, I haven't started yet. That's okay. Here's my expanded giving. What, is, what do you feel God is leading you to expand into? So then there's a one-year subtotal. And then you can multiply that by two to get the two years and then it maybe God's blessed you and you've got something you want, to, you want to give out of stocks or savings or something. And then you can slide over to the right and say, here's, here's the way we're going to be involved financially for the next two years in our church and in this mission and this ministry. And be sure to put your name on it and stuff. Now, our leaders have already gone first, but they're going to come first again today. They're going to come, come up and I promise leader, if you've already put your commitment card in, we're not going to count it twice. But I want you to see the commitment of our leaders at Westside because it's a significant time. I was sitting at lunch this week with somebody. His name's Matt. He's a pastor of Life Church here in our little town of Aloha. And uh, he's a great guy. I love him. He said, he heard a quote, says, faith and fear both believe in an outcome that has not yet set. Faith and fear both believe in an outcome that is not yet set. So whichever one you choose, it's actually faith. You're either believing the best or you believe in the worst. And it was so encouraging for me to hear that. I put something uh, in between all the seats. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to be a part of this because I think this is a here I am moment. Isaiah said, God said, who's going to go for us? Who should we send? And, and he said, here I am. He said, here I am. 
So I want to ask you to do something a little different today. That is, I'd like for you to stand up right now, and I'd like for you to consider how are you getting involved in what God is doing. We're going to sing a song, and during this song, I'm going to ask you to bring those commitment cards forward, and I just want you to lay them on the stage. I've got mine right here, and babe, I'm going to put mine down first, okay? And this is what my wife and I have prayed over for the last couple of months. And I'm going to tell you, not the number and not the percentage, but I will tell you that this will represent the most generous season of our entire life, and it takes sacrifice. And and we've had to step out in faith, and we're giving up some stuff to do this. I'm not saying that so that you pat me on the back. I want you to know I don't want anyone to out-sacrifice me for Westside. It's going to be a great season. So, God, here I am. I want you to think about where are you? And I'm going to ask you to do something right now as a, as a sign of commitment and as a sign of enthusiasm, as a sign of response. And I want you to know this is the most dangerous prayer you could ever pray. But I want you to hold this sign up with me, would you? Here I am. Would you hold up your here I am sign? These are right on the floor between your seats. Here I am. I mean, can you imagine what God could do with a room full of people that say, here I am. God, send me. God, pick me. God, yeah, I know somebody who needs Jesus. Here I am. God, God, yeah, I mean, I don't have much, but I got something. I mean, God, would you connect my little life with your eternal work? Yeah, I'm going to do it. God, here I am. Why would I miss out on something like that? I don't want to miss out on that. And I know you don't want to miss out on that. Lord, I just want to pray right now for my friends who are with me here today. If you're online, we see your sign. We see your heart. We know you're with us. We're so thankful. I want to pray, Lord, that my friends who are here with me today, that you would just stir in us, that you would call us, that you would tell us where we need to confess and and where we need cleansing, that you would commission us even today into this work. No matter what your work is, your work is to be connected to God's spirit and his plan and his call for your life. It is to be connected with the good news of Jesus. It is to continue to extend that, to pass that on to somebody. That's your work. That's your identity. So God, here we are. Thank you so much for all that you've done to bring us here. Thank you so much for loving us enough to give your son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sins. We yield ourselves to you today. As a church today, God, we commit ourselves to the next two years. Would you increase our ministry? Would you increase our reach? Would you increase the impact that we have in this community, in our families, in our homes, and even with your spirit in our own lives? Would you pour out your spirit on us, God? and do work beyond anything we've ever seen. We thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Westside Podcast. We hope that you'll be taking some next steps in your faith journey, and we'd love to help with that. The most important step you can take is following Jesus. And if today you decided to make that step, we want to encourage you and help you. You can text the word Jesus to 503-905-9067, and we're going to send you some things in the mail to help you grow in your faith. We also would encourage you to stop by this Sunday for a live service, either online or on site right here in the Portland, Oregon area. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com.